0: Welcome back to another episode of Heart on the Hill. My name's Micah Hart. Thanks for tuning in today. I've got a great show lined up for you today. We're going to talk about Russia and Ukraine. Today, to speak with us is Ambassador Francis Rooney, who represented Florida's 19th congressional district in the U.S. House of Representatives from 2017 to 2021. Before that, he served as the ambassador of the Holy See from 2005 to 2008, and he also wrote a book about the diplomacy and the U.S.-Holy See relationship titled The Global Vatican. Thanks for tuning in and listening today, and thank you so much, Ambassador Rooney, for joining the show. First off, thank you so much for joining our show today. I greatly appreciate it. Well, thank you. Yeah. So you recently wrote an um, op-ed discussing the ongoing situation with Russia and Ukraine. So first off, I just wanted to discuss what's going on. So why now? Why did Russia decide that now was the time to invade Ukraine?
1: Well, first of all, Putin made a wrote an article 15 years ago that his goal was to regain the perimeter properties that Peter the Great, captured for Russia. And that plays into this historic Slavic paranoia about the West. They always want to have all the buffers they can to protect them from the West. So then, in 2007 or 8 or so, Putin took uh, South Ossetia and Abkhazia in Georgia, and we didn't do anything at all. And then, uh, under Obama, he took Crimea, and Obama joked about it. So what's he supposed to think when we get Biden in there, who's a little feeble and we're a little confused right now as a country and a lot of things going on, he figures it's as good a time as any because they feel they own the Ukraine. They, the Russians feel that the Ukraine is part of their country.
0: So so did would you say that it really just then started with Obama, that Obama was the catalyst because he really just let things happen then?
1: Well, it didn't help. Yeah. It didn't help that he joked about Uh, Russia taking Crimea and said, ah, it doesn't matter. They're just a regional power. Come on. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I'd like to shift now, too, and talk about your opinion piece um, from The Hill that you say, and I quote, the United States can eliminate the ability for U.S.-based companies to do any business with Russia, stop all oil imports from Russia, and block completion of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Some of this is in the works right now. Our NATO allies need to join in. How confident are you in NATO allies, and how much more should the United States go in doing things? So in other words, what actions should Congress and the president take to ensure that the United States is on the right side of history and stands up to Russian aggression?
1: Well, you know, the the, the it's definitely the right thing to do to be firm on Russia, but it's easy for us to say because until Biden screwed it up, we were energy independent in the Western hemisphere. Now we're a little less because he's attack the oil industry so much and given a lot of capital out. But we're still pretty much independent. But the, the Europeans, for a variety of reasons, are very dependent on Russia. And so the sacrifice is greater for them. With that being said, it's getting worked out. There's gas going to Germany. There's gas going from Algeria to Italy and Spain. And it will get worked out where we will be able to have the resolve we need to deal with Russia.
0: So, Do you think because the United States is aiding heavily with Ukraine, um, do you think that um, are you at all concerned about the direct funds and where they're going? I mean, you were a representative before, you know, how things work in Congress. Are you concerned about how everything is being allocated and these bills that we are supporting and giving aid to Ukraine that have sometimes in their language that is concerning to especially some Republicans?
1: Um. I know that there's been some dissidence from some Republicans about the cost of supporting the Ukraine. Uh, I know the Ukraine's been a very corrupt country. That's why President Trump refused to sell them those javelins for a couple of years until they cleaned up their act a little bit. And so there's a lot of inequity on both sides here. But at the end of the day, we've got to stand up to Putin. And Ukraine just happens to be the catalyst at the moment. It could be anywhere else. It's not about Ukraine. It's about Putin.
0: So what would you say then about some of your former colleagues who are really pushing against some things within in regard to Ukraine? What would you say to them then who are saying maybe we don't give as much to Ukraine, but, you know, in the end, like this is against Russia, too, mainly. This is trying to stop Russian aggression and them spreading their influence.
1: Right. That's the way I look at it. The way I look at it, it really doesn't matter about the Ukraine. They just happen to be the people that Russia attacked. It's really about Russia trying to exert hegemony in Eastern Europe and the risk that an empowered Russia that takes and keeps the Ukraine will create more mayhem for us in the future.
0: Yeah. And so... How do you think—I mean, we've, we really focus on Russia, and as you said, that's the main thing, is Russia has been this main character, in a sense, of the whole situation. But how do you think Ukraine is doing, and are there any gains being made? Or should, should, should Americans be pretty concerned about the current state of what, you, what Ukraine's suffering right now?
1: I think we should be concerned about how they're suffering from a humanitarian point of view. I think we should feel good about supporting them militarily. And unlike most of the uh, spending programs enacted during Covid and under President Biden that just go for nothing, vapor transfer payments, at least this spending goes to support uh, companies in the United States that are making armaments, i e american jobs so
0: So do you think that do you think there should be a lot more spending then, or what are your thoughts on um how much we should then get involved with that?
1: I don't know. I don't know that we can say how much, you know, with a number. I think we need to be careful that the war doesn't expand in other areas. I think we have to uh, try to find a diplomatic solution that gives Putin something enough to quit. I don't know what that may be. As long as the Ukrainians can demonstrate success, which they seem to be doing, then let's let them keep doing it and support them.
0: Do you think a lot of people, obviously the economy is on the minds of a lot of Americans. Do you think that this has contributed, you said, like American jobs, but do you think there's also, what's the other side of that then as well with the economy? Because everyone brings up, well, oh, it's the Ukraine-Russian situation and that's a part of it, but what do you think to that as well with um, the economy being so not gr- terrible right now, well, honestly?
1: <laughs> yeah, the economy's, the economy's severely challenged. The Fed uh, kept rates way too low for too long. and kept buying bonds too long after the crisis of 2008 and 2009 had passed. That was totally irresponsible. They shouldn't have done that. And Now we're going to pay the price for it. And the way they pay the price is you take the heat out of the economy for a while until things settle down and inflation goes down, and they sell off all their bonds and go back to the traditional monetary policy that guided our country for a long time.
0: So n- now I kind of want to shift a bit. This is also on the minds of people. I mean, we're hearing more and more about uh, the threat of nuclear war. It's on the minds of a lot of people right now. And CNN reported that Russia seems to be increasing their sphere of nuclear power. Should people be con- very concerned? It's nuclear war, obviously, but is what is the um, legitimacy of those claims and what must be done then to prevent something like that from happening?
1: Well, the, um, the best we can hope is that we offer some off-ramps to Putin before he does that. The way that he's losing, the way that he's cornered, the way the world has ganged up against him uh, is not very comforting uh, at all. And he could very well do something. And I haven't seen any constructive proposals come from anywhere. I haven't heard anybody say anything like, okay, you know, as long as there's no nuclear weapons deployed— Ukraine will not be allowed to become part of NATO, and, and maybe there's a deal there with Putin that uh, we don't let Ukraine into NATO, even though we have a relationship with the Ukraine, in exchange for him stopping the conflict based around the diplomatic principle that the reason he invaded in the first place are part of it. The stated reason he invaded was because of the Ukraine-NATO relationship. Now, I really don't think that's the case. I think he wants to get the Ukraine because Russia thinks they own the Ukraine anyway and have ever since the, like, 5th centuries.
0: So what do you think—I mean, we, in your op-ed, you really talk about other countries as well. What's going on there, too, because you see Russia now saying, oh, we're going to go after Ukraine. Are there concerns about China with— taiwan other iran maybe what are the thoughts on that now what are your thoughts on that
1: um the the taiwan situation is very dangerous right now i think my personal opinion is china could go get it if it wanted it they're just not ready yet and all we can do is raise the price make it more difficult and more costly for them to invade taiwan and I think the unnuanced comments of the president were not super helpful. I think that we should uh, keep our, that strategic ambiguity policy that we've had for many, many years has served us well, where we can see how things evolve and we may or may not be able to defend Taiwan. Meanwhile, we need to reshore all we can in the chip area, and we should be much more aggressive about that even than we are. And I don't I was not really happy to see us grant um, exceptions to a couple of South Korean plants do work in China the other day.
0: Do you are, would you be more concerned with regard to China than Russia right now? Because, I mean, America is oh, sure. very dependent yeah. on long
1: term China, China's Long term China is a problem. It's not Russia. Yeah. they Russia has a declining population and an economy that's based on one commodity. And I, I, I mean, this is. Uh, a problem that Putin has generated, but it, Russia doesn't have the support for it. I mean, Russia can't even fight.
0: Yeah. So now I just want to talk about. We talked about nuclear war and things like that, and we there needs to be some resolve to this at some point. So, what steps would you say must be taken to ensure that Ukraine, at least, is preserved in some sense, and that the the, the war is done and Russia doesn't isn't able to extend their sphere of influence over other regions. And how do you think the U.S. should be involved in that and other countries as well? Because sometimes it seems as if the U.S. is pouring so much into this and other areas as well and other countries are just backing down and we're the most, uh, we're the focal point of them.
1: Well, I think that uh, Macron's been pretty supportive and he kind of seems to have emerged as the leading voice in Europe for what to do with the Ukraine and um if we stop putin now if he continues to be uh stymied in his effort to take over the ukraine and actually is being kicked back out then that may prevent him from trying something else
0: yeah
1: like another eastern european country
0: do you, do you think that would be a possibility do you think that there is a high sure. he wrote
1: he wrote an article 15 years ago that he wants to take all of them back mm-hmm. he could do it I just don't think he's got the capability. If he can't take the Ukraine, he for sure can't take anybody else.
0: Is there anything else? I'm, this would be a la, uh, my last question for you. Is there anything else Americans and just people overall throughout the world should know about this situation, should know about what needs to be done and how the United States is being impacted by this?
1: Well, I think the people that question the investment need to think about what happens when we don't play on the field we have to be there to stop putin to back up the ukraine to defend uh, western values which the ukraine says they endorse despite the fact that they're still way too corrupt and are in very immature democracy
0: actually i know i said that was the last question i have one more question for you um i want to go back to that last point you just said really what, how do you think that they are like what how how does the the united states really try to walk the fine line because Ukraine does say they're this country supporting freedom and things like that. But people are hesitant. How? Where's the line between there and helping as well? Then,
1: Well, I mean, we can continue to provide weapons that will not be able to reach Russian territory. Uh, We are providing surveillance and navigational support from satellites to help the Ukraine Army know where to go fight. Makes them much more effective. I think we can keep doing that kind of stuff and let's we'll see how long they can take it well but it's got to be a ukraine russia fight i don't think we put troops in there i don't think any western european country would put troops in there i think all we can do is support them from the sides
0: all right well thank you so much ambassador for taking time to talk to me today i appreciate it Well, once again, thank you so much to the ambassador for joining the show today. I want to take a little bit of time to go through what he talked about, but mainly just focus on the situation in Russia and Ukraine. It's a terrible situation. And, you know, we can look at it from both sides. We can look at it politically and we can look at it from a humanitarian perspective. And I want to look at both really quickly. Politically, this is a huge thing going on. Russia's trying to take over Ukraine, another country that really didn't do much to Russia, but Russia says did a lot to them. And as we know, Russia's not the best country in a lot of senses. And we, as Americans, should be very concerned about what they're doing anyways. Even if this was a country we trusted and we saw them go in and try to take over this other country like this, it's not okay and should never be endorsed. The United States needs to be a beacon of freedom and hope and opportunity throughout the world. Now, there's a fine line between giving to ukraine and knowing where those funds are and also just being on the sidelines as i talked about with the ambassador being on the sidelines not bringing our people in in a sense to the military support but at least giving to them there's so many fine lines you have to walk and the united states must be careful but also must not be too careful and there's a fine line there as well the united states has to know where these funds are going i mean As I have said before on this show, we don't know where some of these funds are going. It's not all crystal clear all the time. None of these fundings really are. So we need to be careful there because if you look at our country, our people are struggling. We can't even get baby formula on the shelves. We can't figure out gas prices. We are struggling as a nation and we're just giving money out here and there and everywhere. And it's ridiculous as well that... Our people are struggling, but we're just giving money everywhere else. And I do think we should give some money. I think we should help as much as we can to promote democracy and freedom and protect from what Russia's doing, because we know that if they do this and are able to do it, you're not. it's not going to stop them. As the ambassador said, China as well. We know what China's doing. We know that they are thinking of things and maybe they'll do something eventually as well. If Russia's able to do this, there's nothing stopping them. So we need to be involved. But we need to be cautious. And now I want to look at this from a humanitarian perspective. You know, as a Christian, I think we need to be the hands and feet of Jesus. That's always my main goal in life. And so I think we need to be there supporting these people. We oftentimes politicize everything. It's just our nature to politicize every little thing. Whether you're Democrat, Republican, wherever you are in the world, we politicize it. But we need to humanize it now and say, these are people with stories. These are people with feelings. These are people losing their homes in Ukraine because Russia is trying to come in. But we also need to remember there are people in Russia who don't support this. There are people in Russia struggling under an oppressive government. We need to realize those people as well. And I think we so often just um, victimize everyone in Russia as terrible, corrupt, harmful people. And that's not true either. There are people there who are struggling as well, who are stuck there, or who just have no other way. So we have to look at it from both sides in that perspective. But going back to Ukraine, you know, there are so many stories of just people having to flee the country, leaving everything, not knowing what's next for them, but knowing that it's not staying in Ukraine, knowing that they're leaving behind their stories, their work, their sometimes families. It's not an easy situation to be in. And as I said, we so often politicize this and make it seem to be so much less than it actually is. These are people. These aren't just statistics. We talk about numbers of people leaving. They're not just a number. These are people who have feelings, who hurt the way we hurt, who who just are going through so much right now. And I want people to hear that as well and know that. That this is not just about facts. It's not just about a strategy. This is about people and how people are being treated. And personally, I think we do need to go there and say, you know what, Russia, enough is enough. What these people are going through is ridiculous. We need to be a strong force, but we also can't be too strong, as I said. So there's that fine balance that we must walk. And I, you know, I don't know all the answers. Thankfully, I don't have to know all the answers. That's the great thing. But our leaders do they had to try to figure out all the answers and so you know we should be supporting them as well you know i don't and i've said this before i don't agree with a lot of the president's um rhetoric statements views but i i do say he's my president and that i I do hope and pray that he does something for this country, just something well, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, you should be able to hope that, members of Congress as well, that something good can be done and that we can be the beacon that we were called to be and need to be, that our founders wanted us to be this beacon. And we need to have freedom, security, and protect that here and also ensure that countries that want it abroad are able to have that. And as I said, I, I'm going to just keep reiterating this. There's a fine line there, but you know, we need to we need to look at that and we need to keep moving forward as a country. That's another thing. We need to move forward together. We can't just move forward divided. It's the United States of America, not the divided states of America. Divided division will only hurt us in the long run. We have our disagreements, but why can we not just agree to disagree about things, move on and say we're all Americans at the end of the day, we're all human beings at the end of the day who have a greater calling just ourselves and our political parties. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today. And thank you, Ambassador Rooney, for joining us today. It's been great hearing about the Russia-Ukraine situation and learning more about what's going on there and what the United States needs to do and what other countries also need to do. But also it's been important to learn what the U.S. needs to watch out for within regards to other countries as well. It's been very informative, and this is a huge topic that we need to talk more about. So thank you again, Ambassador Rooney. Thank you to everyone who tuned in today. I hope that you have a great week and that you have so much fun and a peaceful week. And it's just a great time. (laughs) You're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7. And this is Heart on the Hill. And I'm Micah Hart. Thank you.